This episode is sponsored by a donor to the Los Angeles Fire Department Foundation. The Los Angeles Fire Department Foundation supports the LAFD in protecting life, property, and the environment by providing essential equipment, training, and public outreach programs to supplement city resources. Visit supportlafd.org. On this episode, we have Josh Binder. Josh grew up in New York to parents in the entertainment space with a writer-director father and choreographer mother. He studied English at UCLA, intent on joining the family lineage, but an EMT course he took spawned dual-life pursuits. Josh has built a career as an EMT, written episodic television, appeared in feature films, and completed voiceover work, all before joining the L.A. County Fire Department and working his way up to battalion chief. His two paths coincided recently when he directed Harrison Ford in a firefighter training series. Josh, thank you so much for being on our show. Yeah, my pleasure. It's really great to have you and uh, you coming to us through a very deep friendship, close friendship of mine. Um, and mine as well. That's great. Yeah, no, it's great that uh, we were able to to get this done. So, um, Josh, you're talking to us now from Brentwood, but um, mm-hmm. your story begins in New York. Yeah, it does. Uh, I was, yeah, I was born in uh, at Mount Sinai Hospital in okay. 1966. Okay. And uh, uh, my, my mother at the time was a dancer for a modern dance choreographer, Paul Taylor. And she uh, was in living in New York with, with my father, who is a writer and was a writer back then, an early documentary filmmaker. Uh, at the time, he was uh, in the, the cut. He was a graduate of NYU Film School and was a, uh, was a cinema verite filmmaker along with his partner. And uh, they were doing some really cool stuff back in the '60s. And so strong creative show. roots, a lot of good DNA there. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. A lot of good uh, artistic influences. And it's, I think at different times had both positive and negative influences on my decision making, as it were, uh, because I vacillate between my creative side, which I've been in the film business, uh, been a writer and an actor, and a producer. Uh, I still do voiceover acting, but also my more um, practical side, uh, pragmatic side that, that, that caused me to join the fire department, you know, not just once, but twice. And that's where I am now. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was born in, in, uh, we lived on the Upper West Side nice. uh, back in uh, the 60s. And, and, and then in the 70s, my, my folks split up and uh, we ended up, my mom and my brother and I down living in Greenwich Village, first okay. in, in uh, Soho and then Greenwich Village. And, and at the time, what a great place to live. So that was super great. Love, love New York and, and uh, you know, always, always have deep roots there. And it, uh, Is this I, a younger I, brother or older brother? Yeah, I have a younger brother named John. Gotcha. He's three years younger than me. Okay. All right. Um, so you have this great upbringing in the village um, and high school is there. And uh, you decide to come out to California for your undergrad. Yeah. So uh, uh, there's a little bit of a, a glitch in there. I uh, So I, I start out high school at Brooklyn Technical High School. I'm living in the village. I'm taking the train down to Brooklyn Tech. And then I transfer to Stuyvesant High School. And Life is going great there, and my mom comes to me, and I'm, I've got to be almost 16, and she says, hey, I, because she's an artist and um, choreographer at this point on her own right, uh, but she's you know raising two sons and trying to make things work, and New York's getting expensive, and she decides to take a full-time teaching uh, position at the Virginia Commonwealth University down in Richmond. 
Oh, wow. Kind of caught me and my brother by surprise because, you know, as New Yorkers, uh, right. That seemed very far away from yes. what was comfortable. Yes. Uh, and and then my father had moved to Los Angeles ten years prior to that. Okay. And uh, we had visited him in the summertime, and we kind of, as a family, decided maybe maybe we'd go live with my dad for a year during the transition, get my mom in place down there in Richmond. And so when I was sixteen, I moved out here and ended up going to high school my last two years here. Okay. Which high school did you attend? Samurai. Yeah. No, I went to Palisades. Palisades, nice. Okay. Go Dolphins. (laughs) Beautiful (laughs) campus. Yeah, it's so cool. This dude's got a stadium by the sea. And uh, we, I applied to college from there and and had aspirations to go back to New York, maybe, you know, uh, go to Columbia or Princeton or, you know, NYU or something like that. But at the time, you applied to the UCs a little bit ahead of the East Coast schools. And I got got into UCLA. And then I was like, hey, wait a second. Do I want to go back to the cold? (laughs) <laughs> winters and the hot humid summers or do i want to be here in uh, los angeles you know where it's mid-april or mid-may and it's you know 75 degrees out in perfect weather and yeah. beautiful women and <laughs> the coast and everything so i ended up committing to ucla and and uh, I went there as an undergrad and studied english that's where i met our mutual friend's um, husband and right. uh, we became fraternity brothers, and, and then uh, I was in his wedding with with uh, Helena, and yes. and I know you and Helena have a strong relationship as well. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, you studied English at UCLA, but you had a, a desire to go into the entertainment industry. Were you thinking as a writer, or were you thinking other side? I did even then want to get into maybe being a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a writer, and he had worked for Robert Altman also. And that was sort of the, how the connection with my mom and how she ended up being the choreographer on Popeye. Was and your father, father writer on Popeye? Was a, he was not the writer on Popeye, no. Um, so he started working with, with Altman in the 70s. And uh, he ended up writing the first draft of North Dallas 40, which was the great football adaptation movie. And, and Bob was supposed to direct that. And he ended up, there was all those political machinations from the studios back in the day and they ended up taking it away from Altman and then there was like 10 other writers on it but um, that was how their relationship began and and uh, I think it I think my mother actually was friends with one of Altman's producer his lifelong producer a woman named Scotty Bushnell and she introduced my dad to Altman and that kind of stuff so yeah so I, I, I kind of fancied myself a writer and so had been dabbling in it, in it uh, as a you know, high schooler and, and uh, said, hey, I'm going to go to UCLA and study literature because if you want to be a writer, then, you know, study from the, the best. Right. And the UCLA program is pretty rigorous. And, you know, you're studying all the his, historic great li- English literature. It's not a creative writing, writing program. It's not you do. So, you can study some American literature, but really it's all that, you know. 15th, 16th, 17th century uh, English literature, but felt that that would give me strong roots. And at the time, I was thinking of going into the film school there, the undergrad film school, right. which you couldn't get into until you were a junior. Uh, it was called a motion picture television major. And while I was there, I, I kind of um, felt like, well, studying writing is the way to go and making a short film or you know, being part of that, I, I can get that experience in a practical sense and work on a movie i've done i've done movie work since i was a kid you know been around it my whole life so the whole production side of it i felt that that the uh committing to that field of study was a better way for me to go at the time and uh in the course of that 
I uh, took an EMT class, emergency medical technician class back in 1986. Okay. And it was at a, a, a friend's urging, like, hey, you got to take this really cool class. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I like blood and guts and I don't want to do that. You know, I want to go in the movie business. And he's like, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to love it. Check it out. Take, and uh, so I took the class and I fell in love with you know, first responder, EMT, okay. uh, responding to calls. And there was a campus ambulance and I joined that, that group of guys, that, that group of people. And so I, I had this dual personality that kind of fit my, you know, love of action and having been an athlete, but with, with sort of the sense of adventure and, and being a writer. And I'm like, well, what great example in history of writing is there of an ambulance driver who was a writer and Hemingway did just a little of that. So, you know, at 20 years old, I'm like, okay, I could do this could be my Hemingway moment, you know? Yes. That's uh, brilliant. uh, Well done, Josh. Um, It's interesting. The orientations required mentally though. And I want to tease this out with you a little bit. So writers are very reflective. They uh, process um, experiences and then they, uh, find their voice and express it back to to the world on on paper or uh, on, on the keyboard. Um, first responders, this is my you know naive understanding, um, have to be very um, quick afoot, so to speak. React fast, not reflect, not think, not uh, control their emotions because they're handling an emergency and, and time matters. Um, so I just find it fascinating, and, and it's almost you you uh, characterized it aptly, saying there are two sides of your persona. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, I, I think so, and I think you're right. And I think it, you know, it, we you asked it to talk to me today because you kind of described the nonlinear path, and I yeah. think that that's what caused that that friction in my personality to cause me to go in different directions throughout my life. And so at no one point can you say, Oh, Josh, you know, until maybe later, uh, had a clear thought and this was going to be who he was for the next 50 years, you know? Gotcha. And so I think it was, it's constantly wrestling those two sides of my personality. And when I'm doing one or the other, I'm, I'm very happy doing it, but I do always feel the call, uh, of the other. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it's it's what led to a lot of my success in life, but it's also led to some of my, um, you know, uh, st- struggles is too strong because they haven't been struggles, but challenges uh, that have led me in different paths. And, uh, so I, I think I think you're right. I think those things are not in conflict, but I think in in me they help to guide me in, in different directions that leads to you know my success. That's great. Um, are you still in touch with the friend who recommended you try the EMT class? You know what? We just, he, uh, we were in a group text of fraternity brothers and, uh, and he was in there. And, and uh, so I, and then I think we, at the beginning of the COVID thing, when we were all trying to figure out what quarantine meant, uh, we had a, a fraternity brother zoom meeting of like yeah, 40 sure. of us. He was nice. on there. Oh, that's great. It, it was, it was kind of like a train wreck because you're seeing guys that you haven't seen for 30 years. Yeah, of course. 35 years. So. Yeah. Wow. No, that's not cool. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So after you graduated, you stayed in LA and sought entertainment work. Yeah. So not exactly. I, I was coming up on 
graduation and, and I was thinking, hey, what, what am I going to do now? And I thought about graduate school and I had sort of flirted with the idea of becoming a lawyer. And at the time I was like, hey, the world doesn't need another lawyer, you know, especially in Los Angeles. So uh, I was like, hey, I found out that you could go to paramedic school on your own. Like I kind of had this vision that you had to be part of the fire department to do that. And I had started applying to the fire department um, in my senior year, but I wasn't with anybody. And so I graduated and I applied to the local paramedic school, which was uh, run out of a small hospital in, in Inglewood called Daniel Freeman. And uh, I got accepted uh, January after I graduated and I, uh, I, I went for it. You know, I said, Hey, I'm going to do this and I'm going to see what happens with it. And um, it, it influenced my life powerfully. I uh, met my wife there. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, 31 years ago. And uh, we didn't start dating right away. We ended up becoming paramedics together and working together for a couple of years. Then we started dating, been together for, uh, you know, close to 30 years. And wow. so very influential decision that I made, uh, but also uh, really just loved being a street paramedic and, and going out and responding on calls, trying to make a difference as a young person. And you're given all this ability and autonomy to, to, interact with people on the most difficult day of their life potentially and you're bringing some sort of control and chaos to the chaos and, and providing relief of pain or you know oxygen or getting them to the hospital so they can be treated by a doctor and so it's, it's a it's an amazingly rewarding and I, I you know i loved it and then i got at that point i got hired by the fire department uh, the city of Los Angeles fire department. And I worked as a paramedic for them at that time. I was not a firefighter, uh, but they had paramedics that worked side by side with the firefighters. Wow. And I did that for a couple of years. I got to work, um, in, uh, Los Angeles and in, in South Los Angeles at the time, you know, which is, this is early nineties. You had a lot of gang activity and you had a lot of, you know, strife and people shootings and stabbings and, drug overdoses and car crashes and people didn't survive car crashes the same way they do now with airbags. And so it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy work. And then we had the civil disturbance in 92. I yeah. got to work on that experience um, and, and really loved being a paramedic. It was great. Wow. Um, what do you think it was about being a paramedic that drew you to it? Uh, I, I do think that feeling of being able to help people every day, it's, you go to work and, and your work is very clear. Uh, you're not, you know, and this goes back to sort of that split personality thing. You don't have to wake up in the morning and say, hey, what am I going to do today? You go to work, you get yourself ready to be at work and you prepare your equipment and then the bell goes off and you go and do, do the job. And, and that's pretty fun and it's exciting. And obviously there's an adrenaline part of it, although that goes away as you get more experience and, and you have burnout and stuff. but. I think it's that thing where you go in and, and you're like, okay, I see a solution to this problem and you get to work on it right away. And then you get to take the person to a higher level medical care. And then you can say, okay, I've done a good job. And then you go back for the next one. Yeah. And so I think the immediacy of that is, is really exciting. And, and the feeling at the end of when you go home in the morning, like, Hey, I just, I, I helped these people today. You know, it's yeah, amazing. Um, Josh, how do you, cope with some of the trauma you see like sometimes you're not able to help somebody um whether it's a matter of the the accident or whatever it was being too severe it ended up being fatal or you didn't get you weren't able to get there in time like how do you manage those emotions yeah so we i think we get asked that as first responders a lot and you know pretty early on you learn to compartmentalize you know mm. Uh, to keep yourself from getting overwhelmed with that. But 
when you are in that kind of world, you do isolate things as problems to be solved. So it's not that the person's having a heart attack and might die. It's that they, you need to give them a medication to dilate the coronary arteries so vessels so that they perfuse better and you give them oxygen to, so they can breathe better. And you, get, you focus in on, on doing your job well and not getting caught up on the emotional side of it or what the ramifications are. Yeah. That being said, it, it does add up to you. And, you know, sometimes different times in your life, there, you have good coping mechanisms. You, you know, you go skiing or you surf or you play baseball. You know, and other times maybe you, you know, use alcohol too much or you get into conflict with your, with your family or, you know, you don't take care of yourself. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's easy to do over the course of a lifetime and you have to manage it. Uh, and then sometimes it comes out in bad ways. And, and, you know, I think we were talking at one point, or the way that we came together about helping first responders deal with PTSD and, and exactly. the, the accumulation of stress. And uh, if you can find those coping mechanisms, meditation, being an athlete, you know, good interpersonal relationships with your family, uh, that those things really go a long way to helping you manage that. But unfortunately in our profession, we were talking about a lot of firefighters, um, specifically police officers as well commit suicide because it adds up the trauma adds up and and unfortunately um you know we were talking about more firefighters annually die now at their own hand than they do in in a fire and that's yeah. that's really tragic which was really tragic yes it's good to hear that there's some awareness of it and thoughtfulness and 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 certainly leaders like you in fire departments um having that understanding um, we can try and um, enact some preventive measures um, to, to see if we can help address those needs. Josh, you mentioned that um, uh, you went back to the fire department. So you, you left it, uh, I think, during this period. So what was the decision matrix there to, uh, to leave? So I, I didn't at the time necessarily want to leave i was having a great time the fire department was awesome i had made good friends lifelong friends and and uh but i always thought i wanted to be in the movie business and i didn't think i was necessarily at 50 wanted to be riding an ambulance anymore and at that time that was sort of the career trajectory if i didn't become a firefighter so i uh, was contacted by that producer friend of, of my family that worked for robert altman and said hey we're filming the we're filming a movie in los angeles and I was thinking, I heard you're a paramedic, and it would be great to have you as the set paramedic, you know? Okay, nice. Yeah. Which film was that? It was uh, Shortcuts. Shortcuts, yes. Uh, yeah. Classic um, yeah. Robert Altman film, and kind of one of the first... Ensemble. Yeah. Without a doubt, and that was, that was the, you know, the, at the time, the, the big example of that. And Altman is an amazing filmmaker. He was fantastic. I mean, he... he treated every crew member like they were a part of the family and you know whatever your job was if you if you had something to interject or, or participate he, he was he would gladly listen to you everyone was part of the creative process it was really great it was an amazing experience and so i left the fire department much to the dis- dismay of my captains at the time they were like what are you doing nobody leaves the fire department and, and, and it's true we do we don't lose many people uh, voluntarily and I was like, at the time, like I said, I wasn't going to be a firefighter immediately. So this seemed like a good avenue for me. Yeah. And while I was on the movie, we had a scene where they needed a doctor to perform CPR and to run a 
run a what we call mega code, but one of the, the characters, the young boy, ends up dying in the emergency right. room, right. and he's like, "Hey, Josh, you should be the you should be the doctor. Can you still <laughs> act? You know?" And because I had done some acting as a kid, I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So nice. you know, he Taft heart leaves me, and and he they sends me to wardrobe, and I get dressed up in scrubs, and I come in, and he's like, "Okay, well, what would the doctor say here?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, he would do this, and he would do that," you know, right out of being a paramedic, you know. So it was like perfect. <laughs> That's great. I've got, Here, a small, going, I've got a small part in shortcuts. I was going to ask you if there were any mishaps on set, but I think that's a much better takeaway and story that you actually got cast. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was cool, and and in typical fashion, it was like no big deal either. You know, I was like, okay, one day he's the set medic, the next day he's in front of the camera, and the next day he's the set medic. You know, that's fantastic. Um, so after shortcuts, um, guide us. What, what happened? After? Yeah, so. Started working in production, uh, going sort of the assistant director route, you know, with maybe anticipating that someday I might be a director. I started doing some writing. And uh, and then my father was writing at the time, and he was looking for um, an assistant, a partner, you know, because he was getting, he was doing a lot of rewriting of, of projects. And he got an opportunity to do a rewrite on a big project called Return to Lonesome Dove. Okay. And he needed another writer. And so wow. I came in with him and started helping out as a researcher. And, wow, and then great. writing scenes with them. And then we went and worked with the actors and the director and stuff. And I just was like, oh, man, this is super exciting to be able to, to write something and then have them film it. And then, you know, you get to see it edited together. And the creative process really was, was uh, super rewarding in a, in a different way than my previous work had been. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is your father still with you? He is, yeah. He still he still lives up the canyon from me, and uh, <laughs> he's retired, but still writing. He just put together an anthology book of his own nice. uh, that he published himself and selling on Amazon. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he and he yeah. he, he directed his own film back in uh, the early '80s, and then uh, was a director on. We ended up on a television show together called The Lazarus Man. It was a western because okay. he sort of you know loved westerns, and I loved westerns growing up with him and. And we wrote to that genre very well together. Nice. And it was great. And and one of the things I'm proud of in my story career is that I ended up writing my first uh, episodic television series episode uh, before I was 30. And, you know, I got nice. to see it on television. And, and it was like, oh, that's I was great. like hey, this is great. So then did you start writing on your own? I did start writing on my own. Uh, but we got off that show uh, because some uh, Robert... Eric, the uh, lead, got sick. He got cancer and eventually recovered, but then I think passed away from it later. So they canceled the show. And that sort of was a seminal event in my life because you're doing very well in Hollywood. And I had been on kind of on an upward climb, and now I was a story editor and a staff writer and an associate producer on this um, television series, and I was doing great. And then all of a sudden you're off a show. Yeah. And now you're writing, and that's rewarding, but now you're trying to sell your scripts, or you're trying to you know, submit a spec script to get noticed, or you're trying to get another job as a staff writer, but the other writers are hiring their friends, yeah. and you can't get to the front of the, the line, and your agent isn't getting you out there for the things that you want to be considered for. A cousin came to me who was a post-production supervisor with Warner Brothers and said, hey, I'm working on this show called Third Watch, and we need voiceover actors. And yes. since you're an actor and a paramedic, you'd be great for it. Yeah. I ended up doing what, what's called looping, but I ended up doing voice, voiceover work on that and then ER. And then I've, I've done that on and off 
So I went back to production work, which is rewarding in and of itself. Yeah. But the grind of that is tough because you're always looking for the next job. Yeah. And so I did um, some freelance writing. I did some uh, assistant directing. I wrote, wrote for a magazine, uh, doing some uh, covering sports in the Los Angeles scene. That kind of was another crossroads. Things changed at that point for me a little bit. Got you. And so, um, when you hit that crossroads, was that this, this was the second time you came to the fire department at that point? Yeah. So not directly, but uh, my wife was pregnant with my first daughter, Catherine, who's now oh. twenty, and she had um, had remained a paramedic, but at this point had gone to, into teaching, and she was working for UCLA, which had taken over the paramedic school that we met at. Okay. Nineteen eighty nine, and so this is nineteen ninety nine, and she said, "Hey, we're looking for." teachers went back in and started doing that and, and really found that to be rewarding at the time. But I was, I wasn't completely satisfied to make this decision and you don't get hired overnight in the fire department. It sure. takes the process. Sure. So I started applying and I took the test in uh, 2005 uh, for the County fire department and I did well. Yes. And then I'm like, okay, is this going to happen? I applied to some other fire departments. And, at the, at, and then right at the beginning of uh, end of 2006, I started getting job offers. And I was like, okay, wow. which one am I going to do? And, and uh, so I chose the county for a number of different reasons. But uh, I just had a good feeling about it. And I went, I got hired at, at the age of 40. And I, went, I started the academy. Wow, well done. At some point, I ended up being the oldest guy in the class to graduate. Elected to be the, the valedictorian of the class. And I gave oh, wonderful. Class. Yeah, it was really, really successful and fun. There was what my wife calls a George Bailey moment. I was having trouble. We call it throwing your your BA, your breathing apparatus. And, and I just couldn't get the time down to where you needed it to be and feeling the pressure because if you don't meet your times, you're going to be out. And I remember uh, waking up one morning and I was sitting on the edge of my bed at five, four o'clock in the morning and my wife's like, hey, is everything okay? Because I don't know. This is, is going to be a tough one. She gives me you know, the pep talk and I head out the door. And you can't take your phone with you into the academy. I go back to my car and I open my flip phone and there's 20 messages in there. It was all my friends. They rallied what? in support. Yeah. My wife had called everybody. And from that point forward, I just, you know, I turned it around and I graduated. I was 41 years old. Well, it's, as you say, it's a beautiful story. It's that sense of um, we're behind you. We believe in you. Uh, yeah. It's very inspirational. It's an amazing motivation. It was, it was really, it was really, really great. Josh, how did September 11th impact you? So I think that, the, I, you know, I don't want to say there was a direct cause and effect because it was separated by a number of years, but having been from New York, yeah, made it super strong connection. My, one of my best friends from New York, his mother had been in the first World Trade Center bombing back in 93. Uh, she oh. survived that and was fine. Uh, but obviously that was, you know, when it started to happen, that was a strong um, emotions attached to that, the closeness. And in the fire department community, obviously, you know, we still, on, on patches and stickers that we have, we still put 343, which represents the number of firefighters that were killed on that day. I, I think I felt a call of duty, uh, certainly. Uh, because you saw the sacrifice that happened on that day and, and uh, you know, it resonated. I, I was a, a new father. I had two daughters. Mm. By this point, my second daughter, uh, Laura, had been born in 2000. So now I had, you know, blessed with that. And uh, and then my experience on the fire department has been, you know, phenomenal. 
it is amazing work you do and the courage and bravery you must show. It's, uh, we really are in awe and, and completely indebted. You mentioned about being involved with some some uh, interesting like situations or fires. I know that the, the recent Malibu fires, you were involved with that uh, extensively. Yeah. You're the first ones to go in the direction of it. We're all running away from it. Well, it's a humbling experience for sure. And I appreciate your gratitude. And I feel a tremendous amount of uh, love and support, like I said. And uh, having a family that says, hey, when the fires are burning, go to work. That's really that's really important to be in a firefighter. But uh, once we get there, you know, we, we see the problem, like I talked about it. Uh, you, you know, you know where you fit in the organization and you know what your job is. And, you know, we want to prioritize life. So wherever we can stop the fire, we try to. Wherever we can help people evacuate, we prioritize that. You know, God forbid somebody gets trapped uh, in a situation that they can't get out of. That's what we're there for. Yeah. You know, something like the Woolsey fire, I was there from the very beginning. I was a safety officer uh, on, on that assignment and uh, got dispatched, you know, within the first 30 minutes to it. And it was a very windy day super hot conditions that we already had a fire going in Camarillo. The campfire up in paradise was already taken off from the beginning of the day. And so we all knew that this was going to be a fire that probably had the potential to, to be extremely devastating. And, and in fact, it, in the next 48 hours, it proved to be that five o'clock the next morning, it jumped the one-on-one freeway. And that's when the decision makers and our leadership said, we've got to evacuate Malibu. And, and uh, I think we pushed out, Nine, close to 90,000 people or something like that uh, in just a couple of hours. And uh, had that not happened, I, I think there could have been a tremendous loss of life. Yeah. Unfortunately, because that fire front was 15 miles wide, I was going through these canyons with the wind behind it. Uh, we we stopped stopped it where we could. We, we, we saved houses where we could, but there's no way to save all those homes. Fortunately, um, the li- life loss was very minimal. It was, um, it was three people, uh, which is terrible doesn't matter how many people anybody lose their life in a fire is terrible of course extraordinary work uh, again um I, I just it's um we take it for granted on so many levels but what would we do without you and uh, just that 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 assurance that you're there um if we're yeah. running into trouble um we'll be we'll be rescued um you had an opportunity to uh hang out with harrison ford in 2016 oh. <laughs> did you google that or did i mention it <laughs> a little bit of googling a little bit of help from elliot and helena <laughs> oh, okay gotcha about 10 years in i uh the fire department started uh wanting to do more and more video training so when the fire department decided to do that they identified this one gentleman who was a fire captain uh, also and uh he had put himself through film school and he had directed a feature film and some short films, but had remained in the fire department. And they asked him to direct these films. And I happened to be working around him in the training cadre. And I said, well, you know, I used to work in the movie business too. And so Ted Mendenhall is his name. Ted said, oh, great. And so he and I started collaborating to make these training films. Nice. And I ended up sort of being the writer producer and he was the director. And at that point, uh, they asked Harrison Ford to uh, do a public service announcement for some countywide training as as part of the regional training group. And so we wrote a script for him to do this PSA, and Ted directed it. And uh, it it was a really amazing experience. And Harrison 
Mr. Ford was fantastic, consummate professional. He comes in, we had a, we were doing script notes with him. He said, Hey Josh, I got a couple of notes. And uh, do you mind? And I'm like, do I mind Harrison Ford? Of course, you know, what, what can I rewrite for you? And then, um, and then eventually I took over Ted's job when he retired because uh, they needed another person that could direct the, the videos. And then we had a second opportunity to work with Harrison. These two, you know, different parts of me get to come together and I get to do both. I'm a fire captain and a film director. That's so great. Um, are you still writing today, Josh? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not necessarily actively writing a script, uh, but I've been trying to write my experiences. Josh, thank you so much again. Really great to have you um, on the episode and uh, on the podcast and uh, really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, that was great talking to you. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive and Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.